dear Thai, dear friends, um, and dear Sangha, uh, thank you for coming out on this first Tuesday of August. And our Tuesday night practice has been looking at various sutras uh, for the past so many months, uh, each month looking at a different sutra. and. Today, we'll look at the discourse on the teachings to be given to the sick. Um, These are all uh, in the Plum Village chanting book, uh, all the sutras we've looked at, um, most of them anyway. And I was thinking about uh, one of the things that makes these sutras so accessible and easy uh, to read is that they are translated by Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, the monastic community. And I looked at a different version of this uh, sutra, and um, and the language is quite different. Uh, so, so while it is a translation, it's also uh, a way of bringing these sutras more uh, to life uh, and not just a direct literal translation. The content was the same, but some of the language uh, they used was a little different. Um, This particular sutra uh, describes uh, the the lay person, Anatta Pindika, who is a big sponsor of the Buddha and of the Sangha uh, from early on and provided uh, monasteries and um, places for them to stay, as well as financial support whenever they came through and through their travels. And in this, in the beginning, we learn that Anatta Pindika is very, very ill. Uh, actually, he's dying. And two monks, uh, Shariputra and Ananda, uh, Ananda is the Buddha's attendant, and Shariputra is an elder in the community. We actually uh, heard about his death in last month's sutra uh, on taking refuge in oneself. But uh, Shariputra and Ananda are talking and they say, we heard that he's very ill, we should go visit Anattapindika. And instead of rushing over there though, they uh, take the time to go through their practice, uh, go through their alms round in the town and they go through uh, visiting each house and gathering their, uh, receiving their alms until they arrive at Anattapindika's house. So they do their practice very steadily, uh, knowing that they're going to get there, but not hurrying, uh, and eventually uh, arrive at his home. Um, and when they go in, uh, they ask how he's doing, essentially. They ask uh, if his pain is getting worse, uh, if he's able to find peace, and he is not. He is suffering greatly. And, uh, he says his pain is increasing. He can't find peace in his uh, body or mind. Um, and they can tell he's worried, so they offer him a guided meditation. Uh, they offer uh, Shariputra and Ananda together offer him a, a, a meditation uh, that they later say is on emptiness. 
And we had just a little taste of that in the first meditation period uh, this evening, where we said uh, that kind of cadence of these eyes are not me. I am not caught by these eyes. And they go on uh, through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. Uh, and then they go on to talk about the things that we see. That, so they start inside with the actual organ, the actual organ of the eye. And then they go on and, and talk about what's outside of us, the things that we see, the things that we hear, um, smell, taste, all those, all those things, including our thoughts uh, as being something that the mind touches. Just like the eyes touch things that we see, the mind touches our thoughts. Uh, and that leads into uh, what happens when the eye touches something out there, some kind of form. We have sight, seeing, uh, the consciousness of sight. Um, so each of these things is then uh, uh, talked about in that same rhythm, that these are not me. I'm not caught by these things. So the things outside of us are not me. The things uh, belonging to us are not us. And then what happens when those things come together are also not us. Uh, so the, they walk him uh, through these steps as a way of um, as a way of easing his pain, as a way of realizing that the uh, pain that he is feeling is also not him. They don't say that directly, but his body is touching that uh, sensation and that pain is arising, that consciousness of body is arising. And so they walk him through that so that he can let go a little bit of that. Actually, it made me think of uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, uh, which is um, a very uh, well-established and popular um, way of easing chronic pain. It's used a lot with chronic pain um, individuals, people who suffer with chronic pain. Um, and so when I was reading that, I thought that, oh, they're just giving him a mindfulness-based stress reduction walkthrough. as a way of helping him. And the guided meditation continues uh, looking at uh, the um, six elements. We normally say four elements, the fire, water, earth, <coughs> and air, uh, but they include the elements of space um, and the element of uh, uh, consciousness as being an element that makes, us, makes up us. Again, with that same rhythm, the element of air is not me. I am not caught by the element of air. Slowly um, picking away at all of these things that we hold on to uh, and identify with as being us. And they go through a few more of those, and we'll hear more about them uh, uh, throughout the month, and particularly next week when we do our sutra recitation, we'll read through the entire sutra. Uh, and they get to a place where they, in, 
in very few words they say uh, this is because that is. Uh, things come up because other things are there and things go away because some of those elements are not there anymore. Very simple, uh, very powerful practice of this thing is here now because all of these other conditions are here. And this thing is no longer here because all of these other conditions are not here. And they start again with the I. Uh, all of these things come together to make an I. And eventually some of those things will be gone and also that form of the I will be gone. Um, and then going through, uh, not through all of the things that we've talked about, but going through those things again to, to start to see that interdependence and that interconnection, uh, that we are not um, separate, we're not individual uh, selves, we're made up of all of these other things, we're made up of all of the things that come together. And um, after a few more uh, guided parts to that meditation, uh, Anatta Pindika um, begins to cry. Uh, and Ananda, who is uh, a junior uh, in the practice, he's younger than uh, Shariputra, Buddha's attendant. He, Ananda is actually the monk who has memorized uh, many of the sutras uh, and is able to recite them later so that people can continue that uh, tradition. Um, you know, he is very, he's worried because they just gave this, uh, this deep meditation on letting go and now Ananda is crying um, and they ask him if it wasn't effective and uh, if it didn't help. And he actually says, no, it helped immensely. Um, he was so grateful, so moved by that practice that it brought tears to his eyes. And he said, uh, he said that it was the first time he had contacted, uh, been in contact with that teaching, that particular teaching on emptiness, um, on kind of really looking at each part of our existence, uh, each part of uh, what we think of as belonging to us and realizing that it's not actually us. And, not, and that language I am not caught by. Uh, it's not uh, grabbing me and making me cling to this idea of self. And Ananda uh, is surprised uh, that he hasn't heard this before. Um, because he says that the, the monks and nuns receive these teachings all the time from the Buddha. Uh, that it's actually very common for them. And so uh, Nanda really, um, I, I'm sorry, Anatta Pindika says to the monks uh, that are there, please tell the Buddha that lay people are capable of hearing this practice too of engaging deeply with this practice. Um, 
and uh, and they leave, and not long later, uh, Anantapindika dies. Uh, with that um, comfort of having touched that practice, touched that emptiness. And so this uh, sutra, I think, is included. Uh, that Thich Nhat Hanh chose to include it as a regular uh, sutra to be recited because, first of all, it's such a, a very clear and accessible teaching on emptiness. We read the Heart Sutra every month, and uh, it's essentially the same thing, uh, but in language that, for me, is a lot more accessible and a lot clearer um, and uh, and you can see why the Heart Sutra says no eye or ear or nose or tongue or body or mind. You know why it has that. Uh, it helps when you hear that this I is not me. I am not caught by this I. That's, for me, that's a little more accessible than no I. Um, but knowing that phrase then helps when we hear that uh, in the Heart Sutra. But it's such a, a, a clear um, way of touching emptiness and of touching interdependence um, and of uh, being able to, to really sit with these ideas. And the other reason I think he includes it, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh includes this uh, sutra in the collection, is that uh, lay people, uh, the people who are us, uh, are able to hear these teachings too. Um, this was a pivotal time, uh, perhaps, in the Buddha's teaching, where he decided that uh, he would teach more of these kind of deeper teachings to the lay people as well. Um, I imagine that Anattapindika was very much like us. He was a, um, well, maybe, uh, he was a, a wealthy landowner. He had a household, he had a family uh, that he took care of, he had a business he ran, a uh, business that he worked in, and so his engagement with the Sangha was probably a lot like ours, where we go on retreats now and again and come together for those larger uh, events where we're hearing those, uh, some of these teachings. Uh, we're very fortunate that um, that Anattapindika shared with the monks that we are capable of hearing deeper teachings because we then are now able to hear those from the teachers that come and present uh, on retreats. And and it brings a, a uh, harmony to the Sangha. The lay people and the uh, monastic community um, are, are then uh, both able to engage in this practice in the same way our uh, causes and conditions, right, are um, the conditions that make us householders, lay people, rather than the conditions that make us monastics, um, are not as relevant as uh, our ability to, to touch this practice. It's also not the first sutra that um, that a person is really moved by the practice, that they share that in the, um, 
in these sutras, I think is really important that when uh, we really touch uh, deeply what this practice can mean, what this practice does for us, um, it's quite moving. Uh, it's this particular sutra reminds us that it's literally about our life and death. Um, you know, we'll all be in Anattapindika's shoes at some point. Um, we might not have Shariputra and Ananda come by, but uh, maybe we will. We never know. But we will all be there. Um, and that ability to touch uh, this emptiness. And of course, what we, what we see in this very um, clear and laid out meditation is first we kind of let go of what we think we are, and then we're filled up with what really makes us, um, which is um, our interconnection to everything else, our interdependence, uh, on everything else. So first we, we chip away at that idea of what we think we are, and then we're reminded of what we really are. Uh, and it's a hard thing to, to point to, but it's a lovely practice to do. Um, and I think we're also fortunate to have this particular sutra uh, because we don't have to wait until we are in Anattapindika's place. We don't have to wait until we're um, actively dying before we start these practices. Um, I wonder if he heard it particularly in that way because of his condition, uh, because he knew that he was uh, nearing the end of his life. And so perhaps he was able to really touch into that practice um, at that point. And I was wondering about um, not just this practice of um, being a way of kind of liberating and uh, easing our own suffering. Um, because it is that. It certainly is that. But I was thinking about how this practice uh, can be brought out um, into the world. Uh, and so as thinking about institutions, um, about individuals that we might have difficulty with, about systems that are in place in our, in our world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, um, that are causing harm and uh, harming other people. And I was struck by how you can apply this same meditation to those things as well. Um, and this system that I am a part of is not me. Uh, I am not caught by this system. 
This institution is not me. I'm not caught by this institution. And really trying to touch what that means to not be caught by uh, an institution or a system. We, so, we see uh, in Thich Nhat Hanh's life, in his example of living in Vietnam during the Vietnam War and working uh, to provide food and medicine and care to people who are caught between uh, the warring sides. And because of that, he was seen as an enemy of the, of the, um, uh, an enemy of the North by the North and an enemy of the South by the South because he didn't take sides. He wasn't caught in that institution or in that system. He just went to where uh, the care was needed. Um, and it's also a very deep practice of uh, this is because that is. Um, there is this suffering uh, because of this um, war, but also there's the suffering because people aren't caring for these people. And so uh, it was a way of finding an entry into how to alleviate suffering. When I first hear that this is because that is, I heard it very uh, passively, as in a way of, um, well, <laughs> this is how things are because that's how things are. But it doesn't say you can't work at changing why that is. It doesn't say that, um, it doesn't say, and now you're stuck. <laughs> it, does, it just is a way of understanding why things are. And then, if, you, if I'm able to really understand why things are, um, maybe I can focus on uh, the that part, or a part of the system that is creating uh, this other, uh, this, right? This is because that is. Well, if I change that, this will change. Uh, it's not a statement of helplessness of um, passivity. It's a, a, a statement of looking at all the causes and conditions that are coming together. Uh, and what you do with that is really up to us. Uh, what we do with that is up to, um, up to the individuals who do something with that knowledge. Um, and so, in our mindfulness trainings, we talk about deep looking with the Sangha um, to find ways to transform systems of injustice. Uh, something that I don't think that's an exact quote, but it's pretty close. Um, and I think this is one of, uh, that's, it's a statement of this is because that is. Uh, let's really look together uh, to find um, avenues where we can work uh, towards transforming. Because if it was simply a statement of uh, passivity, it wouldn't lead towards the end of suffering. Mm -hmm. It would lead towards um, 
perhaps more suffering uh, because of helplessness. But we always hear that recognizing something is the first part. And so we have to understand why things are. And of course, in uh, reading this uh, sutra and, and trying to find how it's uh, alive in me, how it's uh, something that's not just words on a page and not just a, a neat story or a helpful story. Um, uh, I've been kind of just sitting with uh, these phrases, uh, which are nice and easy to remember, um, and sitting with, uh, with those just during the mornings and seeing what happens, uh, seeing how it changes. Um, or if it changes uh, anything in me. And I haven't had any great insights uh, as a result of doing that. But I have noticed I've been less reactive um, in my daily life, uh, particularly with uh, my children who are a great cause of reactivity um, in me. Um, and I think part of it is, is being uh, very present to uh, this idea of emptiness, being sitting with um, uh, this is because that is. Um, and so when things come up, uh, it's been helpful to, to work with my own body and my own kind of inner system that when things externally come up, uh, that I'm able to sort of have that thinking in place. You know, this tantrum is not me. <laughs> uh, I am not caught by this tantrum. Uh, it's a very helpful um, practice. Uh, I kind of like that, that um, structure of this blank is not me. I am not caught by this blank. Uh, it's not saying that it's not there. It's not saying that my I doesn't exist. It's just saying it's not me. Um, it's not saying my body uh, doesn't exist or my consciousness doesn't exist. It's just saying it's not me. Um, last week, uh, um, one of the, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, somebody asked about. Uh, a translation of the, the three poisons, um, which are normally greed, hatred, and ignorance. Um, and uh, I've been rereading a book by Stephen Batchelor, uh, and he translates the uh, three poisons as greed, hatred, and confusion. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like that word confusion because it points to uh, this mistaken idea that uh, this body is me. Um, it, it's, I'm not ignorant of, of that. It's, I'm just confused. <laughs> uh, because I've been living so long with this idea that this is me. That uh, I'm just a little confused about how things really might be. 
And, and so these kinds of practices help uh, kind of part that confusion. I like that, that translation a little better uh, than ignorance. Um, ignorance is fine too, just implying that uh, you know, we don't know something. And that once we know it, we should know it, right? But confusion's better because once we know it, we might still be confused. <laughs> but uh, at least we, we know that um, maybe our confusion's a little bit less, a little bit less each time we touch these things. Um, and so uh, I'm really grateful uh, for, uh, for Anatta Pindika. Um, and for that love that he had for uh, the community and supporting them, that then the community came and supported him when he needed, and that we learned that we're able, um, possibly because of that, we now all have access uh, to these very simple but very um, profound and life-changing uh, practices and ideas, and um, shouldn't say ideas, practices. These are all practices, things to do. That's why it's a guided meditation. Um, and so uh, we'll close in, a, in just a moment. We have copies of the uh, sutra if you'd like to take it home and look at it. I will um, make one... Um, I guess maybe editorial comment, and that's the um, when you read it, the, it's it's very sweet and gentle, and then almost uh, kind of incongruously, uh, they say first we're going to meditate on the three jewels, and the language gets very um, uh, hyperbolic and flowery, and uh, and then they say okay we've done that, and if you do that. Um, you know, you're sure to be, uh, you'll have no chance of falling into the three lower realms, but will be reborn as a human or a god. And then they say, now we'll continue our meditation on the six <laughs> sense organs. Uh, it's very strange to me, and I think that that was added later. We know Anattapindika already loved the Buddha, and he loved the teachings, and he loved the community. He didn't they didn't need to then tell him how great they were and for him to meditate on them. He already knows that. And we know that they know that because they're already there. They're there taking care of him and trying to ease his pain. And so it's funny when you read it with those eyes because you can see that it was added in there possibly to um, kind of shore up uh, that, you know, the Buddha is the real deal. <laughs> that... Uh, that uh, Maybe later uh, teachers, or maybe later scholars who come across it. Oh yeah, this guy's this guy's it because of this, and um, it just seems uh, maybe they did say it. I don't know, but it just seems very different from the tone of the rest of the sutra. And then, of course, at the end, it says um, uh, they leave. They bid him farewell. Went back to the monastery, and Anatta Pindika passed away and was born in the thirty-third heaven. Uh, again, it, it, where in the rest of what they just taught or what they just guided him through 
would, would it, it, it says nothing about the 33rd heaven. So I think that was a later addition as well. Uh, but it, it's kind of interesting to read these with those eyes to see what's, um, uh, um, what seems different, what feels different in these things. Um, and I don't know if that gets at the true words of the Buddha or not, but uh, I do find it uh, an interesting practice in and of itself to, to read with that, uh, that kind of understanding. And also to imagine these people as real human beings. They're not just names. Um, whether or not these events took place, um, we, do, we can with some confidence say that these were real people. Um, that they were real human beings that uh, touched this practice and were moved to tears by this practice. Um, and that uh, people who were very committed to taking care of one another and of uh, showing their, their love and their compassion. Um, that's helpful for me uh, when I start getting stuck in the repetition <laughs> Uh, and some of the language of the sutras. And also if you read other translations um, that aren't uh, translated with that same kind of uh, pointing towards these were real human beings. Um, the language is a lot softer in Thich Nhat Hanh's translations than in ones that you might find online. Uh, and so it's fun to, to read those and then to read the other translations with that same eye and <coughs> um, bringing these people to life. Uh, or at least uh, bringing the story to life uh, so that we can really um, feel into maybe what, what's being communicated more than just the words. Uh.